0: Yeah, right. Yeah, that number. Giving those up. So uh we'll go on from there, and we won't do that anymore. How many of you gave up your pacifiers over the week? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. So uh we actually, these are the titles of the things that we've talked about. I won't try to go back over them. If you weren't here through the last few weeks... Um, Well, if you want to, they're out there, you know, and um, you can listen to them, but it'll catch you up with where we are. Uh, The first week was Seek Not, the second week was God's Opinion, the last week was Growth is Not Automatic, and this week we're going to talk about My Ministry, My Calling. And uh, so that's kind of taking you from just being, we talk about from being saved all the way up to your calling, you know, growing up spiritually a little bit. So let's start out today with um, uh, Matthew 25, 31. And before we get into that, don't even put it up yet. I want to talk to you about this part of it for just a minute. There's a major difference in being fulfilled in your flesh and being fulfilled in your spirit. We, a lot of people will go through their whole life never having an experience of being fulfilled spiritually. They they don't even know what that feels like. It's, it's a totally different thing than being fulfilled fleshly. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever really, really, really been trying to lose weight and saw a piece of cake or a meal or something that you really, really wanted and you just gave into your flesh and you ate it? How many of you have ever done that? Did it taste as good as you thought it would after you ate it? Did you regret it later? That's how that flesh is. It's kind of fickle, isn't it? You know, you wish after you ate it, man, I wished I wouldn't eat that. You know, it just wasn't worth it to me. The spiritual things are never that way. You can do the smallest thing spiritually for somebody. And the gratification to your spirit stays with you forever. That memory is just imprinted into your spirit forever. You'll think back on it. I was thinking about, as I was doing this sermon, I was thinking about, like, one of the very first things that I did. You remember I told you about way back at the first services when we were doing this, how um, I got saved and how I didn't want to do anything but talk about the Lord and stuff. And and in my marriage in the beginning, I told you, was a mess. I, I mean, it was just... It's a miracle. Uh, You want to see a miracle, you look at Keith and I today. It's a miracle. We are walking miracles that we're together. And so, but during that time when we were horribly a mess, because he was going one direction and I was going another, I thought, I want things to change. And it's like I was telling you at the end of last week about the doctor that thought he had to have all the degrees. You remember that? before he could start doing anything? Well, I kind of thought that about ministry. I thought, you can't help somebody else until you know everything about the Bible. But it's not that way. I started way back then, when Keith and I were having so much trouble in our marriage, I started studying scriptures on marriage about what a good wife would be. And I remember, she could be watching, I don't know. They could be watching, I don't know. I remember one day, us getting out scriptures and stuff, and a friend of mine, we went to work together at her mama's plant. It was the worst job I ever had in my life. (laughs) We worked a week. We were forming gloves on these hot 2,000 degree hands, you know. We'd burn our hands and everything like that. We thought we was going to be cool, her and I. But she got married, and... Um, Her and her husband were having a few issues. We were all young country folk, got married two days out of high school, all of us, you know. And and, uh, her and her husband were having trouble. And um, I felt like I needed to talk to her. And I got all my marriage scriptures together, and I wasn't in any better shape than they were. But I sat down, and I started talking to her about her marriage. And as I started talking to her about her marriage, I started being ministered to about my marriage. I started getting answers about my marriage. Now, my marriage may have been, I don't know, it could have been in worse shape than hers. But as I began to minister to her about her marriage, I began to get revelation and help about our marriage. And it wasn't long till somebody else came along and said, You know, you helped her. Would you talk to me? And you helped. And it just began to grow. And the next thing I know, Keith and I are off somewhere talking to people about marriages, and ours is in a mess. (laughs) But I know I'm standing here before you today, and I know we wouldn't be together had we not have done that. Because we were feeding on marriage. And Keith tells the story about, it. you've heard him tell it. He ministered on healing every single day and never had been sick in his body. And the Lord said, Why don't you start studying on finances and ministering on finances? We were broke. Now, let me read you these verses here Matthew 25, King James. When the Son of Man shall come, verse 31, Matthew 25, 31, yeah, Uh, when the Son, what color is that in your Bible? What does that mean? Jesus, the Master, is talking, right? So does that mean anything extra to you when Jesus Himself is talking to you? I mean, is He talking to you specifically? Absolutely. So take this just like He's talking to you, okay? Okay. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations. And He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats... On the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, everybody likes to think that's the part they're in. They like to think that is me. And they automatically insert themselves into that category. But let's see what divides them. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer to him, saying, Lord, when? Saw we hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink, or when saw thee a stranger and took we in, or naked and clothed thee, or when saw we was sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, In so much as you have done it unto the least of these my brothers, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. I was naked, and you clothed me not. I was sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we hungry, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison... And did not minister to thee, then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as you did not do it, did not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. quite sobering scriptures isn't it I think we as a society I'll put quotations around it and I'll put it in capital letters and I'll bold it have gotten a little too busy for our own good I was thinking as I was doing this, and I was thinking about all the things. Now, you do have the five-fold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher, and they are ministering, and they are doing things. And then you have what would be called the basic lay people. God didn't intend that the five-fold ministry do all the work. And he didn't intend that the five-fold ministry be the only ones in the earth that have jobs to do. Amen. That was never his intention. He intended that those people teach the other people so that they could go out and do their work also and know how to help other people. Because he knew that they would not be coming in contact with every other person. And it's kind of like what I've been talking to you about for the last four or five weeks. We must grow up in order to be able to accomplish what God has called us to do. It's real easy just to stay in our homes and do what we want to do. But this verse, God's opinion, is not going to go away. It's not going to go away. It's not going to change just because you have another opinion. I have an opinion that if I just go to church on Sunday, I'm going to be all right. So what? That's a great opinion. It's a grand opinion. But what's God's opinion? Did I write that? I don't think I did. Now, let me ask you in here. I'm just going to ask a few questions, and let's see how many. How many of you in here know someone? Let's see. Let's back up here. Let's back up here. Um, How many of you in here know someone that's either on the street or hungry or don't have enough food to eat? Raise your hand, please. Okay, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Okay, how many of you in here, um, let's see, let's go to the next one, uh, don't have enough clothes to wear? Raise your hand. Think, think you know somebody that did not have enough clothes to wear? How many of you, and keep your hands up, how many of you in here know people that are sick? Raise your hand. Keep your hands up. Don't put them down. Don't put them down. Branson, put Branson on the screen. How many of you in here know somebody in prison? Raise your hand. Raise the other hand if you got two of them. Okay. Now, keep the hands up. Camera, just go ahead. Now, you see all these hands. And, I'm, and I don't want to put anybody on the spot. But how many of you last week dealt with any of those situations? Keep your hand up. That you went and prayed for somebody in prison, you gave somebody food and clothes, or you visited somebody in prison. Keep your hand up. Now be honest, God's watching. Maybe 1%. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, I was thinking about the elderly. I was thinking about that. How many of you, Edward was talking and we were talking about the veterans recently. You know, we could live next to veterans that have come back and stuff. And, you know, we have a light inside of us. Just like what I was standing up there saying, people have been hurt. But we're waiting until we get our lives perfect or in great shape to help anybody. We're waiting until we have all the money that we need to help anybody or talk to them about prosperity. We're waiting until Keith tells the story about this couple that invited him over to their house to eat at Ramah. and uh, they—he normally he didn't do it, but. He was going to do it this time. For some reason or another, he decided he was going to do it. So we were going to go over there and eat. But every other day, it was like going to be the weekend, and he saw him several times that week. But every day, he'd come, and they'd say, you're still coming or something? And, and he'd say, yeah. And, but then they changed it about midweek, and they'd say, Brother Keith, you can't come to our house. And he kind of looked at him and said, why? He said, we're going to have to take you out. He said, every day, my wife has added something else she needs to buy or she needs to change or she needs to do. It's going to cost me a fortune to have you over to our house. (laughs) Well, that's the way it is today. You know, people are ashamed of what they have, and they're ashamed of what they can do. It's just like I was ashamed of where my marriage was. I was embarrassed about where we were financially. I was embarrassed about the things that we had and the things that we could do. And that's where the devil wants to keep you. And if he can keep you there embarrassed about where you are, you're never going to grow. If you're unwilling to help anybody else, that's his ploy. If you're unwilling to go to your neighbor and say, you know what? In olden days, they could care less. They knew everybody didn't have anything. But if, if you're unwilling to go to your neighbor and say, I only have one cup of sugar, but I'll have it with you. Right. Yep. Or I don't know all the scriptures on marriage, but you know what? Let's sit down here. I've got a mess too. Let's figure it out. Or I don't know all the answers on healing. I've got this thing in my body too. Let's sit down here and maybe we can study these, these tapes and we'll we'll study them together and we'll try to figure out an answer on it. But what has happened is people have gotten so show and tell. They, They got to prove to the other person that they have more faith than them or they have more stuff than them. And it's just a ploy of the devil to keep them low. Because if I'd have been too embarrassed to go and talk to her and say, you know what, you know us. I started to call her name. It doesn't matter. She knows it. Robin, we you know us. We're about to get a divorce. Let's figure this out. Let's study these scriptures. Let's figure out what's going on. We wouldn't be standing here today. And maybe you need to go to your neighbor. Maybe you need to go to the elderly person that's living next to you. Maybe you need to go to the person that's around you. Maybe you need to know... I mean... I'll just spell it out. we got a, a young man uh, that's in prison that's real close to us. We're two of them. And he went in prison. And even our staff is not even ailing him. They're too stinking busy. Too busy to check on him. They saw him every day for 10 years. But they're too busy. Too busy to follow up and figure out how to check on him. Now, what if that was you in prison? The Lord said, you didn't even bother to check on me. You didn't even bother to give me a cup of water. Are we that busy, guys? How do we grow? How do we grow up into being mature Christians? We get more me time. We can't, guys. I don't want to stand there. And he say, you're a goat. Get out of here. <laughs> we just had a situation the other day. And I, and I called this couple and I said, guys, I'm not okay with this. Somebody's going to have to put some time into this. And it ain't going to be fun. And you've got to give up your time. And, and you're going to have to put yourself in the middle of a situation that's not funny. And they said, we don't care. We'll go do it. We'll go do it. We care. Those are rare. Those are rare people. But I should be able to call on Alfredo. I should be able to call on Gypsy. I should be able to call on the Genusos. I should be able to call on any person in this church and be able to say, I should know you by name because you've been ready to do anything. Yes. I should be able to say, we should have the biggest prison ministry in the world because we have people coming to us and saying, you know, we we got relatives in prison. Can we start a prison ministry? Alfredo's sitting right here. I'm going to tell off on him. He has never asked us for a dime. But yet and still, he goes out on the street and evangelizes. And tells people about the Lord all the time. And all he does is give us good reports of it. You don't need us backing you. You don't need us telling you what to do. You need to do what God told you to do. To and if God tells you to do something, He's going to get people backing you. Hey, I'm ready to back Him because He's doing what God told Him to do. He's walking the streets telling them about Jesus. How many of y'all getting saved now? More than two thousand. More than two thousand. Wow. Now we didn't tell him. He didn't come to us and say. Would you give us a team to go out to Bradenton and start evangelizing the streets so that we can get people saved? No. He got up off, off his tush and started going out there and, That's right. and getting people saved. That's right. We all have a call, guys. We all have something that we're supposed to do. Now, you can bury it deep down inside you. There's people in here that's supposed to be ministering to the elderly. There's people in here that's supposed to be ministering to people in prison. There's people in here supposed to be ministering to veterans. There's people in here that's supposed to be starting puppet teams. There's people in here that's supposed to be doing things with their neighbors. They're supposed to be starting groups that just bring people to church. You don't need us. You don't need to say, I need your van. Fill up your car first. Believe God for a van. Have a popsicle party at your house on Saturday. Invite every kid in the neighborhood. When I see you're doing something, I'll provide you with a van. But guys, it's not okay for us to just sit on our hands and expect God to do something for us. When we get to heaven, you are going to answer for what He called you to do. Whether you come to me and say, do this for us or not. We all have a call on our life. We all have a ministry that God has called us to fulfill. Your flesh is not going to make you happy. The greatest day of my life was the day that she came to me and she said, We're going to make it. You could tell it by the smile on her face. They were going to make it. They were going to make it. I had ministered something spiritual to her. I still remember it today. That was 40-something years ago. I don't remember everything I did with my flesh that made my flesh happy. But I remember every spiritual thing. I remember things where I laid hands on people and they got healed. I remember ministering the Word to people and people getting saved. I remember when people got set free. I remember when you lay hands on people and the glow that comes over their faces. That's not just for ministers. It didn't say ministers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. It said believers will. It's time for us to grow up as a body of people that are not afraid to knock on their neighbor's door and hand them a pie. We do the silliest things. Let me tell you about some of the silly things we do. We take our neighbors' Easter baskets. You say, Easter baskets? Don't they think that that's kind of not spiritual? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I baked them gingerbread cookies. Myself. Took them to them. Because they got some little kids. What'd you do for your neighbor? Yeah, I'm busy. We're only going to win the world with our love. And maybe they didn't come to church, but I planted a seed. We all have a call on our lives. We all have something that we're supposed to do. You can't act like this all the time that you're more spiritual than people and then want to have what you have. You got to get down in the dirt with them. You got to get down there and let them see your heart. You got to get down there and let them see that you've been through that. You got to get down there and let them see. Maybe somebody's kids are a mess. Maybe you've had that problem with your kid. You say, you know what? You think your kid's a mess. You ought to hear what my kid did. But you know what? God gave us the wisdom to get through that situation. He gave us the answers. Everything we needed to get through that, He gave it to us. There's seniors around here. That can't even get out around their get out of their houses. Do you even know who's in your neighborhood? We have a job to do, guys. Let me read you another verse: Second Corinthians five seventeen. This is a King James, I think. Five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. All this is from God who reconciled himself who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave who's that next word? <laughs> okay, four people know it let 's read it together gave us. Us, us, the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. Now, don't panic. I'm going to get it clearer to you. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Now that's a little bit big wordy for some people. Like blondes, like me. So I like to break it down a little bit. Let's read the Amplified. Therefore, 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any person is engrafted, now let me explain to you what engrafted means. The staff bought us some fruit trees. Now they brought us this one fruit tree. The stem of it, I don't know what it originated as. Now that's, That's a very good point. I have no clue what it originated as. I have no clue what it originated as. Because this stem is a grapefruit stem. This stem is an orange stem. This stem is a lemon stem. This stem is a tangerine stem. I have no clue what the trunk of it was. Because these things were engrafted into it. That's the way we are in the Lord. Hallelujah. We are engrafted into the Lord, and it makes no difference what the, tr- the trunk is the Lord. It made no difference. Amen. You could be a lemon branch, you could have been real sour. <laughs> but no longer. You're engrafted into the Lord. Therefore, if any person is engrafted into Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come, but all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself. Here's your word received us into favor and brought us into harmony with himself and gave us, say gave me, me. say gave me, me. now the rest of you say it with us, gave me, me. and all of us say it, gave me, me. and the ones that didn't say it, say it, gave Gave me. me, I can still see half the crowd not saying it. Say gave me. Gave me. We're gonna say it till everybody says it. Gave me. Gave me. And say it gave me. gave me. And say it, say, gave me. Gave me. And still people are not saying it. Gave me. Gave me. And you can still be rebellious, but he still gave it to you. Gave everybody. me. Gave me. Whether you admit it or not, I got a, a news flash. Newspapers. That's good. When you stand up before the Lord. He's going to look at you and he's going to say, I gave you. That's right. Newsflash. When you stand before the Lord, you can be rebellious down here all you want to be. But when you stand before the Lord, he's going to say, Guess what? Yeah. I gave you. I gave you. I gave you. Yeah. So let's try it again. All right? Gave me, gave me. the ministry. The ministry. Of reconciliation. reconciliation. And that means that by the word and deed, we might aim to bring others in harmony with Him. It's our job to bring others in harmony with Him. It was God... Personally pre- present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with Him, not counting up or holding against men, bop, 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 their trespasses, but canceling them and committing unto us the message of restoration, of restoration of favor. Verse 20, we are Christ's ambassadors making His appeal, as it were through us. We are Christ's personal representatives. I beg you for His sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. For our sakes He made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, that in Him we might become endued with viewed as being in examples of the righteousness of God what we ought to be approved, acceptable, and in the right relationship with Him by His goodness. And it's our job to explain that to people. But what as a whole seems to me has happened, and I said this before in a sermon, people have had a tendency of looking at someone and throwing them under the bus instead of helping them up. We were in I don't remember. It's been a long time ago. I'm going to say Detroit, Chicago. I don't remember. Maryland, one of the s- s- cities, bigger cities. And um, Keith could tell me if he were here. But um, And we were riding in the back seat, and um, we went through this city. And um, there was this boy, and he was standing on a street corner. And he had this rooster thing on his head. It was this high, and it was painted bright red, just like a rooster. And you could tell he was probably drugged out of his head. And the mother in the front seat, you could tell the tone of her voice. She said, that's some mother's baby. And the compassion in her heart just went out to that child. Now, most people look out that window and they just see some druggie on the street. Where are our hearts? Where is our compassion as Christ? ambassadors. Do you think he sees that person and just sees some druggie on the street? No. No. I'll never forget this the longest day as I live. He knows who I'm talking about. He's probably watching. There was a young man a few years ago that came to our fall social. He was dressed in goth. Black head to toe, piercings all over Never seen him before. Teenager. And I was there and I called him over and I said, Come here. He said, Me? I said, Yeah, you. I said, Give me a big hug. And I hugged him. You could see it. A tear in his eye. I didn't know anything about him. Didn't know who he was. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the compassion of the Lord Amen. for others. Yes. Later I found out his mom went to our church. He's now saved and in the ministry working for Jeremy and Sarah Pearsons. He said, nobody loved me. I was an outcast. And he said, you looked at me, and you were not afraid to hug me. He said, I was scary. (laughs) Just the other night, a youth came up to me. He was uphill all through his growing up. Everybody had washed their hands of him. They had had it with him. I mean, had had it with him. Our children's department had had it with him. His parents had basically had it with him. Everybody had had it with him. I would not quit. I was not quitting. I refuse to quit on people. I, I don't know of anybody that I've just quit on. I'm not going to quit on people. They're, you don't quit till they die. Amen. He came up to me the other night and hugged me and told me just those very words. Fall Social in Branson. He said, everybody else quit on me. He said, I knew you loved me when everybody else quit. Who are you doing that for? Who can believe in you when they can't believe in anybody else? Who will you stand for when nobody else will stand for them? Who will you put your life on a limb for? Like Jesus put his life on a limb for you. Who are you willing to go out of the way for in the middle of the night and get out of jail? Who are you willing to bring to your house when they might steal everything you got? Now you have to be led. But if the Lord tells you to do it, he'll protect you. We've brought people home to our homes, we've let people live with us, we've had people move in with us all through the all through our married life. People threw them under the bus, nobody had any care for them. Sometimes in your life you have to be willing to open your heart for the Lord. My Bible says, give, and it will be given unto you. If you're unwilling to give your life for the Lord, there's people out there that are just hungry for any one person to know they exist, to know that they're alive. Now, maybe you can't minister to a family member. And I've said this before. But maybe you can minister to somebody else's family member and then that gives God an open door to minister to someone in your family. There's a world full of hurting people out there and maybe you're one of them. But you have to take the blinders off your eyes and begin to minister where God tells you to minister. Maybe it just starts... By loving on somebody. Being their secret pal at work. Seeing their face smile. I just wonder who that is. They never even have to know. Send them some flowers. I, I get... I get... Constantly... I send people birthday presents... Out of my own money. I bet I send... If Amy was here, she could tell you. I bet I send... I don't know. I don't know how many birthday presents I send a year. I probably send something almost every other day. Because you know why? Nobody does it anymore. Nobody sends birthday cards anymore. Nobody sends birthday presents anymore. Nobody sends wedding gifts anymore. Nobody sends wedding flowers anymore. Nobody does these things anymore. Why? There's that word again. Too busy, but let me tell you something. When it comes to my birthday, my living room smelled like a funeral home. <laughs> I got so many flowers. <laughs> <coughs> when it comes to Christmas, I got so many. I get so many Christmas cards with money just piled in them, nonstop. I get it. And I don't do it because I'm looking for something. I do it because I know. I hear it all the time. I mean, I constantly, if I hear it somebody's anniversary, I hand them 100, go eat on me. They're like, what? We've got to begin to think about somebody else other than ourselves. When did you feed me? When did you clothe me? When did you come to visit me? When did you take time out of our busy lives to do something for somebody else? That's when our lives are going to begin to change. We can't be babies our whole life and just think about, think about me, feed me, I'm hungry. Well, what does an adult do if a child, if their child is hungry? A good parent will give it to their child and they'll go hungry. Well, it's time we grow up a little bit and quit thinking about our bellies and start thinking about babies' bellies that are in the church or our neighbor's bellies. We're stronger than that, guys. That's how you get stronger is by exercising. I don't think I could lift five pounds. But anyway, let's see it. Let's see people doing what he's doing. Let's get people that are interested in doing things for the Lord. You get something on your heart. I'm supposed to start a neighborhood thing. I'm supposed to start a children's thing. I'm supposed to go start visiting prisons. I'm, I mean, we had a prison team. They just decided they got too busy or they didn't want to do it anymore. It just dropped. We had a veterans group. They just decided, you know what? I got other things going. I don't want to do it anymore. It's okay with me. It's just fine with me. Because when I stand before the Lord, and He says, Phyllis, did you do what I told you to do? I'm going to say, I'm sure I missed it somewhere, Lord. I'm sure I missed some stuff. But even when Keith was gone, I did. I got up there every Sunday and preached like you told me to. Even though I didn't want to, Lord. And then people had to listen to me, whether they wanted to or not. I told Keith that this morning. He said, I'm sure they enjoyed it. Phil." I said, no, they had to listen, whether they wanted to or not. But, guys, it's not just me that's going to have to stand before him. That's right. And a real mother, a real mother that cares about her child, ain't just going to give her child ice cream every single day. She's going to want her child to grow up into something productive. She's going to want her child to grow up into something that is producing fruit and is accomplishing what they're supposed to accomplish and has everything that she's supposed to have at the end of her life or he's supposed to have at the end of his life. A mother that's not worth much will just let their child do exactly what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it and not care about their future. I care about your future. I care about your end of your life. And some of you in here is getting old. (laughs) Like me. We don't have much future left. There's things we need to be doing. And I'm not saying you have to do and serve like he's got on his coat. You don't have to do it here in the church. But there are things you should be doing. How many of you in here, put Branson back up there. How many of you in here at some point in your life you know God dealt with you about doing something and you don't feel like you've done it. Raise your hand. Look at the hands. All over the place. Well, ask God about it. There's some adapted version for today. Do you understand what I'm saying? You may not, you're older or you're 10 years down the road, you may not do exactly that today. But there's an adapted version of that that you may need to do. You may not be the lead that goes and does this, but you may be able to hook with somebody that is doing it. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's the, like going out and evangelizing. You may not be the lead person, but I'm sure he can use some help and and money and things to to go do what he's doing. Uh, Edwards going all over the world, speaking in different countries and stuff like that. I'm sure they can use you know different people to do things. I mean, they don't come to us and say do this for us. They got off their tails and went and started doing things, you know. And when we were first called to the ministry, I'll never forget it. Keith graduated on a Friday night. The next weekend, we were booked in Terre Haute, Indiana. It took every dime that we had to book the place. We booked it on our credit card. And we're believing God for offerings to come in enough to pay for the room. Nobody nobody underwrote us. Nobody everybody says, Oh, Keith Moore just got where he got because of who he knew. Right, God. Amen. Amen. It sucked. Amen. We got in our what was it? Keith, a '98 Oldsmobile or something like that, a four door car, whatever it was, because the other one too blew up. You remember that story, right? And drove to Terre Haute, Indiana. Now, Terre Haute, Indiana, the only reason we went there is because there was this little girl that was in Keith's class that says, You know what? I think we could have a meeting there. Why don't you do that? And we went, Okay. (laughs) And we went there. We didn't ask anybody for a dime. We didn't ask anybody to underwrite us. We didn't ask anybody to do anything for us. We went. We got a hotel ballroom. We had a meeting. People actually showed up. The room was packed. We actually had to go and ask them to open the other divider to be able to have more seats in there. That's how we started. There's things in your life that you're supposed to be doing. You want the blessings of the Lord on your life. God cannot bless people doing their own thing. He's waiting for you to do what He's called you to do. And as soon as you do what He calls you to do, then you're going to see your life take a turn for the better. Maybe your marriage is in a mess. Maybe your kids are in a mess. Maybe your job is a mess. Maybe your life has been miserable every day that you can remember. It's time to... Quit going down that road. Duh. Turn. And start going the way that God called you to go. Find the greatest fulfillment you've ever known. Bring joy to somebody else through your spirit. Do something (coughs) spiritual... Instead of natural. Get your Bible out and minister something to someone spiritual. Does it not bring more joy than anything you've ever known? Edward, more joy than anything you're known. Dan, and more joy than anything you've ever known. More joy than anything you've ever known in your life. Craig, more joy. I mean, it just brings how many of you have ever ministered something spiritual to somebody? I mean, got somebody saved. It brings more joy than anything you've ever known in your life. You can live on it. It just you lay in the bed that night and you're just like. Yeah. Yeah. No matter how bad everything else is, you can be broke and not have food to eat, but you feel good. You feel happy. And you know you're coming up because you're doing what God called you to do. It satisfies you in here. It satisfies you internally. If you've been depressed, it's because you've been living by the flesh, not by the spirit. Begin to minister to somebody else that's depressed. If you've been broke, find you somebody that's broker than you. If you're sick, find you somebody that's in the hospital that's got a day to live. Begin to minister to them. If your marriage is on the rocks, find you somebody that's marriage is on the rocks too. If your kids are a mess, find you somebody else's kids that are a mess and start finding scriptures about it and minister to them. It's time that we quit being so busy and thinking about ourselves and begin to minister to other people. And the moment, God will bless you on credit. He'll do it. He'll bless you on credit. The moment that you take a step to do something for Him, He's got, he's got. oh God, I got it, I got it, I got it for Him. I got it for Him. They're going to do it. They're actually going to do it this time. They're going to do it this time. And you'll see, things in your life will begin to blossom. They'll begin to change. And He'll begin to minister to you, and your whole world will begin to change. You'll forget about things you want so much. And you'll begin to think about things other people want. And you'll begin to think about, there's that seek ye not again, we've come full circle. You'll begin to think about things other people want. And as you do that, God will start adding you money, adding you things adding things to your marriage, adding things to your life. He'll start blessing you. Your bills will be paid. That light bill that you just hadn't seemed to be able to pay. That car payment that you hadn't seemed to be able to take care of. That ex-wife that you've been a pill your whole life. Just smooth out. It'll just begin to smooth out. Everything will work out. But start. Everybody, get somebody in your head right now prison, elderly, marriage, somebody lost their job, somebody's having problems with their kids, somebody needs some more money, somebody's not saved, you want to get a family member saved, get somebody on your mind right now, you're going to minister to them, you're going to do it because you're not rebellious in here, no, that's the world. Get it on your mind. See yourself. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. See yourself doing it. See yourself doing it. Gathering your scriptures. Think of you some verses. See yourself. See yourself doing it. You're not a minister, you don't have to be. This is how you do it you tell them your testimony have to give 26 verses tell him your testimony how he brought you out how he spared you how you're still married today how you still have your kids how you still are getting through even though you lost your job how he's brought you through over and over and over again he's never let you down start there Y'all got it? How many of you are actually going to do it? Now, God's look, look look through that roof. Look up. He's watching. Be ready to do it. God will send somebody across your path. He'll get that right person there. I believe we're coming up, 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 up. We're not going to be babies anymore. We're going to do what God's called us to do so that when we stand before Him, we're going to be a light in a dark world. When people need answers... They're going to know they can come to you. They're going to know. You may not have all the answers. It said weep with those that weep. They're going to know they can come to you and you can say, you know what? I don't have all the answers, but I know somebody that does. That's the greatest thing the youth used to love about me. I'd say, you know what, guys? I don't have the answer to that. I'm not kidding with you. I don't have the answer. But I know something that does. Let's look it up. Let's find it. Let's find it. Somebody comes to you and you don't have the answer. Don't be ashamed of that. There ain't nobody that knows everything in this book. Anybody that tells you they do, they lied. So if somebody comes and asks you a question, say, you know what? I don't know. I can Google it and we can look it up. And get to it. Help them find it. You're smarter than you think you are. You've been sitting in here for years. We can do this, guys. We can all come up together. Yes. I want to see all you pretty faces up there with me. We're going to have a big party. Right. Who knows? I might make gingerbread cookies for all of y'all. <laughs> little man or a little girl. Yeah. it would be fun. But we all have something we're supposed to do. We all have it. And we can do it. Can we not? Yeah. Stand up with me. Stand up with me.